UCLA lost someone to the transfer portal. Where'd he go? And can Mar Bailey and Jaime Hawkins Jr. climb in the NBA draft combine? Let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm Zach Anderson. Yox, I'm your host, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and diehard UCLA fan. Man, it's been quite some time since we relaunched this bad boy in August. So thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. Become an everyday listener of the podcast. We talk basketball, we talk a little football, talk just about everything here on Locked On UCLA. Hit that subscribe button and, uh, you know, just follow. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. As we're going to talk about basketball again today, they're in the midst of the NBA Draft Combine out in Chicago, UCLA basketball news, players who are not there anymore, and hey, football, what's their biggest game of the season that can make or break their season? And no, it's not the USC game, even though it's important. Here we go. Let's talk locked on UCLA. So kind of going into the NBA Draft Combine between Jaime Hawkins Jr. and the likes of... um, between the likes of Tiger Campbell and everything in between, you've got UCLA where Hawkes, he can jump to maybe a first rounder. There's been different articles between the fact that, hey, he could be a second rounder. I read an article about the Thunder saying, hey, he might be a, a good second round pick between a Thunder website on Sports Illustrated. But then reading Saturday Out West, another website had uh, Jaime Hawkes Jr. potentially being taken as early as the late first round, which could be a big, big impact, saying he might go to the Clippers and stay in Southern California and be in L.A., which would be a great fit, I think, for him in terms of just location-wise. Jonathan Givney, who we'll talk about him later again, Givney wrote a, an, an article about Jaime Hawkes Jr. that with Hawkes, he'd be well acquainted in a front seat in, in terms of being local, being a local kid, and might be a guy that could fit in well with the Clippers, considering what he had a 39-inch vertical leap that was really a lot more explosive than most of people thought at the at the combine. Either 39-inch vertical leap, he's the Pac-12 Player of the Year, and he could easily rise from the Pac-12 Combine. And yes, I know we'd have loved to see him in a UCLA uniform for one more year, but. You know, people projecting him to make it to the, the late first round, that would be a big step up for Hawkes. And I think the Clippers would, you know, that would be a good fit for Hawkes with the footwork, with the athleticism that people don't really think he has, even though he's a lot more athletic. He could be one of those sneaky players, thrives in the Clippers where they all like to grind, be, you know, underrated, and all of a sudden, hey, you never know. Speaking of risers, too, Amari Bailey, after yesterday's May 18th, uh, scrimmage. He was uh, in the first scrimmage for Amari Bailey reading a Bleacher Report article talking about how good he was. I was reading an article a couple weeks ago. I believe it was by CBS Sports. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it said Amari Bailey had fallen his stock. Mind you, at the early part of May, people have already forgotten what Amari Bailey had done in March considering he was 17 points per game after Jalen Clark got injured. Hit the big shot UCLA needed if they were going to beat Gonzaga. And everything had been going pretty good. And then all of a sudden, his draft stock slowly fell. But 
yet now in Bleacher Report, they have him a top 35, close to 40 pick. And in that first five-on-five scrimmage, it was Amari Bailey who had great ball handling display. If you go on Twitter, you'll say, oh, look at Amari Bailey's handles showing how, hey, he can score at the basketball, 19 points, six of nine from the floor, two rebounds, six assists. And in his post-scrimmage interview, he talked about, hey, I really enjoy getting others open in terms of playmaking, distributing, and hey, that six for nine shooting, that's exactly what we saw at the end of the year for Amari Bailey. Jonathan Wasserman from Bleacher Report saying, Amari Bailey, hey, he was the 31st best prospect on the 2023 pre-combine big board saying he has to stand out among the pack during combine scrimmages to crack the first round boards. Because there's times where Bailey was near the back end of those players for UCLA who might be drafted, whether even even included Jalen Clark, it included all these other players. I know Tiger Campbell is, is listed as the G League in the G League Combine. But for Amari Bailey, he's talked about, hey, his mentality coming in. Heck, it's in Chicago. You didn't think Amari Bailey was going to dominate at the Combine that was in Chicago where he's from. That's, you know, that's that's important for him. So Bailey growing in, in initially viewed as a second round pick more NBA players and more NBA media, NBA scouts, viewing Amari Bailey climbing up. He, we have Hawkins who's gone from a second rounder or a mid-second rounder and all of a sudden just jumped up to an end of late first rounder. Amari Bailey, that second round pick, I know, would he really have left UCLA to be a second round pick? You know, that's a different debate for another time. But the more he climbs, the more he builds on these combine scrimmages. might be interesting to see if Amari Bailey can become a first rounder. Not entirely sure if that's the case, but Hawkins has climbed to potentially be a late first rounder. And Amari Bailey, after the May 18th scrimmage, just looking at Brett Siegel, NBA, Amari Bailey's been fantastic. Just reading all these tweets, reading all these different things, he has been a standout on the court. Hawkins is intangibles, is what makes him as a sneaky standout to get drafted in the late first round or be a steal at the, at the early part of the second round. And depending how late Bailey falls, Going back to Amari Bailey, he could be one of those guys that is a steal at the end of the second round or the middle of the second round for someone who wants to see him develop. He could be a great player and a great fit for a program just like that. And then, hey, has someone left UCLA? We'll talk about that more and UCLA football after I tell you again, guys, 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 guys. I have to tell you about bird dogs because bird dogs, my goodness, they are the most comfortable shorts in the world. I'm not kidding you. I had them on yesterday, just walking around, and the amount of times I just found myself running and zooming around the, the house and just being goofy and rocking around. I mean, that's my normal personality, but hey, you look better and you feel great wearing bird dogs. Half the time I got shorts, they're, eh, you know, all right, mediocre. They're stretchy fabric. The legs look great. They're extremely comfy. I can't emphasize how comfy they are. They are the best shorts i've ever put on yes you just throw them on you put them on and you can go to the golf course you can go on a date with them you can go to a meeting hang out with friends it fits every single thing with bird dogs i promise you they're extremely comfortable firsthand i got a couple of pairs from bird dogs and let me say first they're super funny and second those shorts are absolutely fantastic so go get yourself a pair of bird dogs at birddogs.com slash locked on college when you enter the promo code Locked On College, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college. Use the promo code Locked 
on college. You won't regret it. Cruising on into segment two of Locked On UCLA. Man, oh man. What what are we going to do here? UCLA finally had a guy transfer out. I talked about all these different things in terms of, oh, well, UCLA hasn't lost anybody to the transfer portal. I talked about that in the previous weeks of this podcast, only to see a late couple a late couple of entrants into the portal right before it closed. Matt Gettin, not really sure what the status is on him, but if you saw the breaking news in the recent days, Abramo Zanka, who you know, only averaged about five minutes per game with UCLA limited playing time, maybe was a potential for a breakout candidate this year, found himself deciding, hey, I'm going to go play elsewhere. Not sure if that was more of a coaching, tell him to get the portal, if that was a personal decision, seeing, hey, I can go get playing time elsewhere other than in Westwood. So Zonka ends up going to Wake Forest. So he goes from the Pac-12, slash Big Ten for UCLA, goes from the Pac-12 into ACC play with Wake Forest, who was a winning basketball team last year. I believe they're 19-14, and 14, and he, he got that final scholarship spot reported by Jonathan Giveney again. And what Zonka had to talk about was that the fact that Wake Forest, beautiful campus, so green, the academics is important to him. And while it is sad to see, you know, one of Ivo Samovich's first international recruits leave, I just wondered how that will be a factor moving forward. But he talked about, hey, this is a spot that's got one of the best facilities in the nation. They've actually tried to recruit him before did Wake Forest. And instead, he said, all right, I'm going to go to UCLA, play 22 games, 5.4 minutes per game, made half of his threes, made each of his four free throws. And kind of reading what the scouts say on him or what some things have been written about him, sample size is small, but there's good things to hope for for Abramo Zaka. So we hope that you know, he was going to get some love and get some playing time somewhere else. And Zaka had said, hey, over the last couple of school, over the last couple of weeks, he's been getting reached out by many schools. Of course, some kids today like to overblow, how, you know, so I kind of just say, all right, let's just exaggerate how much love I'm getting. But got to think, Zonka's got that good basketball body, which is what I've been reading. And, you know, he's a guy that can grow into a, a nice college basketball game and maybe into the future as a pro, whether it be, you know, somewhere overseas, or if he blossoms at Wake Forest and eventually turns into a standout NBA prospect. He's still at UCLA, so if you're at Westwood and you're like, I still see Zonka on campus at Westwood, it's because UCLA is a quarter system, and they don't finish <laughs> until early to mid-June. So you might still see Zonka around SoCal and LA, yet for the guy who played in a couple different leagues in Italy, remember, he's 21-22 already. He's already an older prospect at the Euro U20s. He was a nine-point-per-game guy. And it just shows you, while the international recruiting will be an important aspect for UCLA, grabbing the correct players, remember, they almost had the Turkish big man who couldn't get into school. You've got Zonka, who was there for a year, didn't play, now he's transferred out, although he's a little older. He's not 18, 19, like Ilan Fibleul. Ilan Fibleul. And then you got Adem Mara, who is seemingly on the verge of joining UCLA, the one thing is, while you have the glitz and the glamour of Westwood, Hollywood, UCLA, all in the backgrounds, for the Bruins, you sit here and you wonder, hmm, how much can the international recruiting help us but also hurt us? Because you can go get the top prospects across the country, go get the five stars, but they're unhappy if they're not as good. They can go to the NBA after a year. They can go hit the portal. 
So there's similar risks to going after international players. And so far, if you think about it, the Bruins are a half over two, right? Not getting one player in in Zonka leaving, but they've kind of opened that door to going across the country to get these international recruits, which is fun. And reading from the Bruin Report online, the recruiting has shifted in 2024 to getting more international players. And I'm not sure how and why necessarily. You don't need a full roster of one thing or a full roster of another thing. You can kind of gel based on what talent is available on a given year, but we can just see what the Abramo Zonka case will mean going forward. Is that going to turn off international recruits? Is it as simple? He didn't develop as we wanted him to. Those are all questions UCLA has to figure out. Make sure they can get these guys on campus because I believe it's Ezra Jamiro. I probably butchered that name, the Turkish big man, who couldn't get on campus as a late, late ad for UCLA when he would have joined in the most recent season. So how does these all how these all play out? We just hope that the Zonka transfer, the lack of getting a player in, doesn't affect them moving forward as they want to solidify that commitment and the signing of a Demar, who is a tantalizing 7-3 big man from Spain. And we hope that he is amongst the players that comes and joins the Bruins. And with maybe a Dembona, Jalen Clark, you got Elan Fibleul. You could have a nice fearsome foursome there when everybody's healthy. With, of course, Stefanovic, and speaking of international players, but coming from Utah, of course, you've got all sorts of guys coming in to develop talent in a year that'll be unlike many years, we'll see, with UCLA basketball. So we hope the international recruiting doesn't get hurt by Zonko, which we knew transferring out would be something, but he finds himself in Wake Forest, lands on his feet, and we hope he does well there for a winning basketball program and gets some time at a beautiful campus with the Demon Deacons. Cruising on... Here in Locked On UCLA, the Bruins football team, hey, we've talked about that a little bit. Hey, are they going to reach that nine-win mark this year? Will they be nine and three? Will they be eight and four, seven and five? Will they go to a bowl game again under Chip Kelly? A lot of unknowns leaning forward into UCLA's season, considering we don't know who is starting at what position. But what got me wondering, what stretch of games do I think will be the games that actually make a difference? And let's revisit this UCLA 2023 football schedule, why don't we? We've talked about this before, but I figured, hey, why not talk about it again in mid to late May? You've got UCLA starting the season against Coastal Carolina. They've got Grayson McCall. That'll be a tough game, a lot tougher than I think UCLA fans will give them credit for, despite it being the first game for Danton Lynn and a lot of hopefully improved defenders and defensive schematics. We think, I think, it'll be a, it won't be a good showing for the UCLA defense if McCall and the, the Chanticleers come out and play some good uh, offense that day. Then you've got San Diego State on the road at Snapdragon Stadium. That'll be a rocking environment, one would assume. Probably a toasty September day, maybe not so much in San Diego, yet I think those will be interesting matchups. NC Central, then you've got Utah for the Pac-12 opener on the road, and then a bye heading into the two crucial games of the season. Washington State and Washington State at home October 7th, and then immediately next week at Oregon State. The back half of the schedule, I think, is somewhat light when you go after Oregon State. You've got Stanford on the road, Colorado at home, at Arizona, and then you host Arizona State before you get to play SC and Cal. So you've got a stretch there after the Oregon State-Stanford games where if you can pick off both those games, you can maybe go on a stretch or you win some games. And I'm not sure Stanford will be competing right away under Troy Taylor. And 
The jury is still out for Deion Sanders. Arizona, Arizona State. Speaking of new coaches, Arizona State. You have a stretch after you play Oregon State where three of your four games are against teams with new head coaches, and two of those games are at home. And Arizona is a team that beat you last year, so you want to get some revenge for the previous year. Probably depends how many guys can remember based on the all the old veterans being shuffled out. But you know Chip Kelly and the staff will want to beat Zona out in Tucson in early November. I'm circling October 14th. That is a truly season-defining game. Right smack dab in the middle of the season, Oregon State is the sixth game on UCLA's schedule. That's the turning point in my mind of the season. Of course, DJ Uingalele, you had Oregon State, who beat Oregon, knocked them out of the Pac-12 title game potentially, or they did at the end of the year with that loss or with that win in a crazy comeback. They had no quarterback play basically last year. They had defense that would run the ball. The Beavers, with a revamped research stadium, will be rocking with a team that expects to be very, very Good. So the thing for UCLA is how do they handle playing a tough Wazoo team at home at, you know, right before Oregon State? Well, they have the bye in between Utah and then the Washington State game. Playing the Beavers is a game where it's in the middle of the season. Remember last year, UCLA 5 0, whatever it was. And then you played Oregon. And then you're like, oh, man, this is the big game. Again, they place an Oregon school in the middle of the season. And while it might be a little bit tougher this year to go 5-0 and than it was, you know, in recent years, you know, going 5-0 and at Utah to start, Washington State at home, those are tough games, tough ass to do. That Oregon State game is one where even if you're coming off a win against Washington State or back-to-back losses in Pac-12 play against Utah, Wazoo, if you're 0-2 to start, winning that Oregon State game is crucial The one technically remaining in a race for any Pac-12 title berth, if that's to be the case, considering the Pac-12 just cannibalizes itself every year. Even with two losses, you could still make the Pac-12 title game and make it, as we saw Utah did last year, did, you know, with the crazy run to the end to win the Pac-12 title. And then with what they have in the back half, their toughest game remaining is USC during the week, or week before, I should say, uh, of Thanksgiving. So in the end, UCLA has a schedule towards the back half. They can run through the competition, get on a second-half roll as they've got some an early game against the Beavers. So that is the game I am circling. Of course, SC game will be all important. You've got Utah to start. Some interesting non-Power 5 teams early on in the schedule. But Oregon State is the game that can make or break the schedule. It's the game that will get them on fire or will knock them down a peg when we thought they were clicking at all cylinders early like they were in 2022. And now they find themselves moving forward and growing with the program, which we don't know if it's a young quarterback, if it's a veteran, if it's the transfer, whatever it is, all these guys have to come together, and we hope it's a good season. It might be interesting. I'm betting close to that over-under of eight and a half wins, but UCLA, that Oregon State game will, one, determine if they reach the over and their win total, posted by FanDuel, and two, how successful their season can be if they have to turn it around or if they go on a run against, remember, back half of the schedule, three or four teams with new coaches right after that Oregon State game. That's mouth-watering stuff right there for UCLA football fans, and we hope we're excited in 2023. In the meantime, that's going to do it for Locked On UCLA. Coming around the weekend, 
We will talk more about NBA Draft Combine stuff. We'll talk about UCLA basketball. We're expecting some news from a Jalen Clark, a Dembona, a Demara in terms of, hey, they're either going to commit to UCLA, they're either coming back one way or the other, depending on the player, or they are not. And then next, hey, UCLA softball, NCAA tournament time. Go check them out. They are hosting the tournament at home at Easton Stadium. And then they've got more, more coverage. UCLA baseball, key series against ASU. Got everything in more here in Locked On UCLA. We'll talk about that in UCLA football. Hey, there's always ways to talk about the Bruins and Chip Kelly. Hands up, Bruins fans. Thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. A clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You see, LA, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been. Locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.